This episode will be a little different, but I hope it will be a treat for you and you can share it with your children. We are taking some time to honor our Indigenous people in honor of Canada's National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. And how we've decided to do that is to share with you some excerpts about Indigenous people from Headphone History, which is our history curriculum for elementary age students. In a review in the Old Schoolhouse magazine by Crystal McLean, Headphone History was described this way, quote, I found that the content was balanced, giving both the traditionally held view of the European explorers and not shying away from the darker parts of Canada's history and giving a voice to the First Nations people who were undoubtedly overlooked during my primary and secondary school days, end quote. It's not really our goal to be political, on this podcast, but because one of our main products is about the history of Canada, it just seems fitting that we take some time to share some Canadian history with you. If you like it, you can get so much more at headphonehistory.com. I will also have some printables on the webpage for this podcast episode. You can find that at canadahomeschools.com and look for season three, episodes two and three. There will be free printables that go along with the stories we are sharing. I was once asked at a homeschooling conference what right I had to write about Indigenous people if I am not an Indigenous person. So I just want to be clear that I am writing as a historian after careful research, and I am not pretending that these are my stories, but I am just trying to give a voice to the people in Canadian history that need to be heard, and I wish I knew more individual stories from our history that we don't have records to learn from. Some of the stories I'll share with you are completely fictional that I made up because for me, part of a love of history is to take some time and knowing what you're learning and imagining what it was like to be that person in that time in history. And so I've taken a moment or two to use my imagination and try to bring history to life for you and your children. To quote Lisa Marie Fletcher of the Canadian Homeschooler from her review on headphone history, quote, the inclusion of stories and legends to take facts and make them come more alive was a great touch, end quote. Okay, so that's enough of a preamble. Just remember to go to canadahomeschools.com, season three, episodes two and three, to get your free printables so that if you choose to do this with your children, they'll have something to color while they're listening and you can make a little Indigenous Canadian unit study out of it. In the month of June, we gave a percentage of sales from Canadian educational resources to help Indigenous families who have to travel for medical care. And we're going to be doing that again in September and October. Welcome to Canada Homeschools, the dose of inspiration and encouragement for Canadian homeschoolers. Canada Homeschools features interviews with homeschool group organizers, resource suppliers, and conversations with everyday homeschoolers just like you, all from a Canadian perspective. I'm your host, Rowan Atkinson. I'd like to thank you for joining me. Now let's get started. 
<laughs> In 400 meters. In 100 meters. You have reached your destination. This is the story of Mikak, the Inuit ambassador to the British crown. Mikak was a real person in Canadian history. You can find the story of Mikak in Headphone History, Volume 2. Mikok, the Inuit Ambassador, 1765. The Inuit people were, and still are, descendants of the Thule people who migrated in their Umiak whale boats to North America from Eurasia. Before they migrated, they had lived in fortified cities in a structured class society. They had Mongol recurve bows and traveled by dog sled. They arrived after the Norse settlers had come and gone, but like the First Nations people, they relied on oral tradition. For this reason, we know very little about the lives of specific individuals from history. One person we do know about, however, is Mikok. Mikok was born as the daughter of an Inuk chief named Nurkangok. By the time she was born, the Inuit had migrated across the north of the entire continent. Some of them had made their way to Labrador. It was here that she entered the world. When she was about 22 years old, she married the son of an Inuk chief. We know that they had at least one son and one daughter. Not long after their marriage, some Moravian missionaries were forced by a storm to spend the night in an Inuit tent. It was summer, and the Inuit were there for the summer trade. Mikok happened to be in that tent, which belonged to Sugulia, an Inuit spiritual leader, and was taught a prayer by memorization by one of the missionaries. Sugulia also performed a shamanistic dance for them. There was a lot of friction in the colony, which had a long history of European fishing boats and seasonal seal hunting and whaling. The Inuit conducted trade with the British, but they also conducted raids on their tools and supplies. Many British traders, fishermen and whalers, wanted to get the Inuit to move further from the coast. There was a lot of back and forth between raiding and retaliating. A couple of years after Mikok met the missionaries, a band of Inuit conducted a raid on a fishing station and killed some men and stole their boats. A detachment of soldiers from Fort York on Chateau Bay pursued them, killing the men and capturing the women and children. Mikok was one of those women. She was now a prisoner and was carried back to Chateau Bay for the winter. The good news for the Inuit was the arrival of a new governor, Commodore Hugh Palliser, who considered it to be of the utmost importance to protect the Inuit and First Nations under his jurisdiction. This would be a work in progress, of course, and not carried out perfectly. While Macaque was at Chateau Bay, the second-in-command of the garrison noticed her intelligence. He taught her English, which she learned quickly, and in return she taught him some Inuktitut, the Inuit language. It was hoped that if they understood each other, perhaps relations could be improved between their people. 
the British also hoped that they would be able to engage in the trade of whale oil and whalebone with the Inuit. The following year, the governor of Newfoundland made arrangements for Mikak and her son Tutok to go to England. The British wanted to impress Mikak with how great Britain was so that she could encourage her people to deal favorably with them in trade. During this time, Mikak was to learn that the Moravians wanted a land grant in order to establish a mission post on the coast of Labrador. Mikak was quite a curious sensation in England. She was given many gifts, such as a dress trimmed with gold lace from the Dowager Princess of Wales. Initially, they had commissioned the creation of a special outfit in the Inuit style for Mikak, which she liked but felt that she couldn't wear to dinner parties. She did not really want special attention on her, in the form of the servants laughing at her, she said, so that is why she was given some petticoats and other items to make her outfit, to her mind, more suitable for those occasions. Her portrait was painted by John Russell and now hangs in a gallery in Germany. Mikak learned to read and write English fluently while she was in England as well. Here is what the Earl of Bathurst had to say about Mikak, whom he had gotten to know during her time in England. Quote, she has an admirable understanding. She has been twice with the princess, who is as fond of her as I am. Twice she has dined with me, and though I had very good dinners, she would eat nothing but salmon. End quote. She did exert her influence on getting the land grant for the missionaries before returning to Canada. She was taken to an island northwest of Byron Bay. The next year, when the missionaries sent a ship to look for a site, the same missionaries who had met Mikak and had taught her the prayer so long ago met with her. When they arrived, she was wearing her gold crown with the king's medal pinned to her chest. Her new husband, Tuglavina, was an Angakok, or spiritual leader, of the Inuit. The Moravians described him as courageous, intelligent, and turbulent in spirit. They gave the reason for their arrival, and wanted to be sure to have Inuit approval for their site choice. They also mentioned that any stealing or murdering would be punished. Mikak was sorry that they had such a bad opinion of her people, pointing out that the English also stole things. She did, however, tell them that they were loved and wanted them to come and live with them. The couple guided the missionaries to a suitable site, which was at Nain. Mikak and her husband did not fully join the mission, as they preferred to travel and trade for guns, alcohol, and ammunition. When she came to the end of her life in 1795, she returned to Nain and sought the missionaries out to be reminded of the prayers she had learned and about the Savior. She passed away at the age of 55, a remarkable, generous, and intelligent woman. It is very important that we learn about Macaque in our history of Canada for many reasons. She is one of the earliest and only Labrador Inuit to be mentioned in colonial documents. She was one of the earliest Aboriginal people whose life was relatively well documented. And as a woman, she was one of the earliest to generate so much recorded history. She was a human bridge between traditional Inuit beliefs and Christianity, as well as between Britain and the colony. Her descendants include some of today's Labrador Inuit. This next story is a made-up story. I used my imagination to think about a little girl who lived in the Plateau First Nations cultures in Western Canada. And in that culture, they loved to play games. There was one particular game called the stick game. 
And so I used my imagination to think about what it would have been like for a little girl to play the stick game with her friends back in Canada's history. You can learn more about the Plateau First Nations cultural groups as well as other cultural groups in Headphone History, Volume 1. One of the few name-related words that could be said to have an English equivalent from this culture relates to wealth or status. In English, we could say princess, or even the name those three girls in my grade 2 class shared, Patricia, which means noble girl. But Patricia is not an Aboriginal name. I think it's best if I don't even pick a name for the young lady in this next story. I haven't been given the right to give her a name, according to her culture, long ago. The girl's lips turned upward into a smile as she hummed a rhythmic song of words and sounds. She reached for her small round drum and turned it over in her hands. It was made from a small hollowed-out piece of a log with one end covered in a skin of rawhide. During the long months of last winter, she had painted the sides with stripes of red and black to make it more her own. She tapped the skin, which felt a little loose. Continuing to hum, she pulled on the laces to tighten it up. Another tap, and it was ready to go. On one side was a rawhide strap, which she used to slip the drum over her shoulder. Now, she needed to find a treasured possession to risk in what was to come. Not that, she said to herself, as her eyes alighted on her little hide purse adorned with beads. Definitely not that. Her gaze landed on a round basket that she had woven in the fall. Her uncle had given her some porcupine quills that she had gratefully woven into a design near the edge. Was she willing to part with it? After a moment's hesitation, the girl decided that, yes, she was willing to risk it. After all, she had a few other baskets. She could always weave another. She grabbed the basket and resumed her humming. Her friend poked her head in the door. Are you ready? she asked. She responded with a wide grin and rushed out the door. The girls ran in anticipation to where the game was being held. Six of their teammates were already there, impatiently waiting for the stragglers. A pile of sticks were in the middle of the two rows of girls. The newcomers took their places and the fun began. There were two bones, a plain one and one with a stripe of black around it. The team across went first, hiding their little bones in their fisted hands. Which girl had the bones? They would be trying to guess who had the striped one. All of her teammates beat on their drums or hit sticks on pieces of wood while they sang their stick game song at the top of their lungs. The girl who brought the basket knew better than to be distracted by their song and their drumming. Even the dancing movements some of them made with their arms and hands in rhythm to the singing were only a distraction. Instead, she looked at their faces for some telltale sign, like a twinkle in the eye, a smirk, or even a deliberately blank face. She had tried that trick a time or two herself. One by one, her teammates guessed who had the bones. They kept score using the sticks in the middle. By guessing wrongly, they were losing sticks. 
One by one, the girls on the opposite team showed their empty hands. The ones picked did not have the bone so far. The girl's heart beat harder in her chest as her turn drew near. Her friend was guessing now. She pointed to the girl across and to her right. Her hand opened to reveal the striped bone. A noisy cheer went up and the girl admitted relief. It was fun to be right, but not so fun to be wrong and lose a stick to the other team. Her friend had guessed correctly, and now she did not even have to take her turn either way. For this round, the big question was, at the end of all the rounds, would she and her friends lose the baskets and other treasures they had brought to the game, or would they win their opponent's treasures? No matter what happened, they would have a great time singing and guessing and drumming as the stick game continued. Thank you so much for listening. You can find helpful links and show notes for this episode at our website, canadahomeschools.com. Please share this podcast with your friends and leave a rating and positive review on your podcast provider. This will help others find their dose of inspiration and encouragement. Happy homeschooling, Canada! Hee <laughs> hee!